dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in God's country crops far as I can see headlights on both ends of my day this country life is for me ride with us HPJ ride with us Hey, welcome folks to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I am Jennifer Latsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hey, Jenny. This week's episode will bring you the stories you might have missed in the January 25th print edition, and we'll also have some spotlight interviews from our January 21st Soil Health U. That's right, Kayleen. Uh, Soil Health U was last week and it was a, a great time had by all. And folks, if you missed it, don't forget you can still register online at soilhealthu.net and you can get access to all of the, the recordings from our Soil Health U as soon as they're posted. That's soilhealthu.net. Well, Kayleen, I, I guess we, uh, we should really start off with the big news first. This episode will be our last one for a while. We are going on a hiatus with HPJ Talk just for a little bit, folks. Uh, we hope to return as soon as we can to providing you the commentary and insights from the week in agriculture as soon as possible. Um, Kayleen, I, I don't think I'm the only one saying this, but I thought it's been a lot of fun doing these podcasts with you over the last uh, almost three years. Um, <laughs> Been a lot yeah, of moments. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember our first podcast, Kayleen? It was completely painful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I just re I it's just been so great watching your growth and my growth in this. Um, I, I remember just pulling it, it. It was it was almost painful. <laughs> <laughs> to do those first early podcasts. Almost? <laughs> well, folks, Kayleen's not exactly the wordiest person, <laughs> and I'm too wordy. So you put us together, and this is what you get. <laughs> you don't get much. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, it's been a hoot. Those early, um, that, those early episodes were our learning curves. We used to bring you all of the Haymarket news, and that was a five-minute slog through the haymarkets, wasn't it, Kayleen? Yeah, it was not very much fun to, to pick through the, the markets and then have to read them. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we developed our skills. We figured out a good format. We figured out each other's um, interviewing uh, styles. We, we learned as we went. I discovered that I had some long-lost talent for editing audio. Who knew? <laughs> I thought Audacity was going to kill me at first when we started using that program, but we eventually figured things out. We felt our way around. Um, the help of YouTube. <laughs> thank God for YouTube. I, you know, I don't remember what life was like without tutorials from YouTube, Kayleen. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> What's some of the things that you're most proud of? Probably just the fact that we were able to keep it going for three years and didn't have a big gap in 
in time and that we were able to produce something each week, even with, you know, when we were out of town or people were gone or somebody was sick. I mean, we were still able to get it done. You know, it was, it was our own little, um, goal to make sure that we had something every week downloaded for you folks out there that follow us on iTunes, on Apple podcasts, on Spotify. We wanted to make sure that you had content and, and you had the ability to learn a little bit about agriculture. I think for me, it's been the way that we've been able to open up a door, open up the barn door as it were on agriculture for some of our listeners that may not be from our regular reading area. Yeah. And folks, you've just been so patient with us and you've stuck around to ride with us through some great moments. Kayleen, I got to say the highlight, one of the highlights was getting our very own soundtrack written exclusively for us by Nashville recording artist and Kansas farm boy, Lucas Maddie. He's a a great friend of the show. That was just a, a real thrill to have our own theme song. Yeah, and we taken made good use of it, playing it at all of our events and stuff. And it's kind of a neat, neat thing to have. You know, folks, look up Lucas Maddie on Spotify, on iTunes, and uh, catch him when he's back in concert again after all of this uh, pandemic kind of blows over. When we get back to live music again, and you see Lucas Maddie is coming to town, you catch a show and tell him we sent you. Okay. <laughs> You know, Kayleen, we had some tremendous interviews too, um, both serious and lighthearted. I think one of the really cool things for me was interviewing doctors, Nancy and Jerry Jacks, who are uh, veterinarians that are from Kansas State University and went through the US, uh, veterinar- U.S. Army Veterinary Corps. And they are the inspiration for the Nat Geo series, The Hot Zone. Uh, that was a great interview. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And I still haven't watched the hot zone and <laughs> I need to do that just to see what, what the, what the show was all about, but it was pretty neat to get a talk to him. You know, being able to bring voices like that to High Plains Journal listeners to High Plains Journal readers has been just so much fun on the, on the podcast. We also got to, we also got to talk to an actual astronaut from Kansas, astronaut <laughs> Nick Haig, who is who spent time up on the the space station up there, researching how to grow plants in space. You can't take the farm boy out of the, you can take him off the farm, and you can take him off the planet, but you can't take the farm out of the boy. <laughs> That's right. That was again. That was neat to talk to him. It's probably something that, you know without the ag tie, where would you get an opportunity to interview him and talk to him? So it's well, funny. And, and some of, a lot of what NASA researches doesn't just have applications to get people to the moon or to Mars. We actually use it every single day right here on earth in so many applications, whether it's our GPS in our cars or the GPS on our spray and rigs in the field um, there's just so many things that have come to life because we've explored outside of our own boundaries, right? Right. Kayleen, who's been one of your favorite interviews? I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but you know, those two are probably at the top of the list. And the 
the series, I don't know if it was necessarily a series, but our stories ended up being a series, the opioid thing. And that was a pretty, pretty tough one to, to talk about and to do the different interviews and when we had all the staff involved. So that is, you know, I'm so glad you brought up that series, Kayleen, because it was it's a gigantic topic, opioid abuse in rural America, and especially under the 10 states that we cover. We knew as a staff back in 2018 that we needed to cover something like that on a grand scale, and it was all hands on deck. And one of those very first episodes we ever recorded, we had all of our writers together, and we were talking about our own parts of that story and what we had learned and what we didn't have room for on the page. And we talked about and I think um, we opened a lot of people's eyes. For me, it's more, uh, another one more recent is the child care, uh, child care in rural America, the gap that we have, that two-part series that we did with um, some of our friends here in the area. That was tremendous to be able to sit down and have a, a long in-depth conversation on real world problems in rural America. Yeah, and that's, yeah. That's something not a lot of people understand. They may think that they may think they have a handle on it, but hey, when I when we were working on that story, there were some things that you mentioned to me that I had no idea about. <laughs> yeah, some of those things with childcare you don't know about until you're actually living it. <laughs> yeah, or if you're living with it in rural America, where <laughs> yeah. there's so many so many different. There's so many challenges to living and working and playing and raising families out here that many people may not truly understand. And that's part of what we do with High Plains Journal. We want to bring those to life um, and bring those to light, I suppose. Uh, any, other, any other thoughts, Kayleen? Not that I can think of right now. Well, I gotta say, I think for me, the best part has been working with you. You're my, you're my, um, <laughs> you're like the peanut butter to my jelly <laughs> okay <laughs> well literally you know whether we're working in the office or we're working from home um you've just always been a, a like a frick to my frack I suppose <laughs> <laughs> and it's been just awesome learning these new skills learning a lot about each other and our interview styles but you know, how awesome is it to work with your coworker on something that captures not one, but two major national awards in its first two years of existence? Pretty darn cool. We got first place in the Kansas Professional Communicators Contest in 2019, and we took first place in the Livestock Publications Council in 2020, and that's because there was a lot of hard work that, that went into it. And Kayleen, I know I talked you into this idea. <laughs> <laughs> and she still has to talk me into it every week. <laughs> but it's been a it's been really cool. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. And folks, going forward, we're still going to use this platform to provide added content to our print publication and our special events just on an as-needed basis. So stay subscribed. Remember to share the podcast with your friends so they can catch up on all the news that you know. And uh, we will be back at some point in time. And you can still write to us at hpjtalk at hpj.com. And you can still call us at 1-800-452-7171. And you can still head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. So this isn't goodbye. 
it's just, uh, well, a high plains, we'll see you soon. Thanks as always for riding with us here on HPJ Talk. This week's cover story is by Kayleen, Herd Health Centers on Producers' Actions. Inside, Lacey Newland has a story about the recent event in Oklahoma City, Cattlemen's Congress Makes Impact on Cattle Industry. Some other stories came to us from our writers on topics ranging from appointments with, within the Biden administration, making healthy food choices, economic recovery, Farm Bureau policy on the horizon, the K-State rodeo cancellation, FDA approval of genetic alteration in swine and the release of several USDA reports. On our opinion page, editor Dave Bergmeier wrote about change bringing new faces in key places in Washington, DC. There were also a couple of letters to the editor about the changes in the Capitol and rural preparations for legislation in Texas. And remember, if you've missed any of these stories, you can always find them online anytime at www.hpj.com. And if you've got a response to something you read or heard here, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. We wanna hear from you. High Plains Journal's field editor, Lacey Newland, sat down with our 2021 Soil Health U Regenerative Woman of the Year, Amy Seeger. Seeger is the director of soil health with the Oklahoma Conservation Commission. Here, she shares with our Lacey Newland her path to being a soil health champion and more. Can you tell me a little bit about your agriculture background and how you're involved with ag today? Sure. Um, so I grew up on a small cattle farm in southeastern Oklahoma, um, just south of Ada, a little town called Stonewall. Mm -hmm. My dad bought this property, he wanted to have a farm of his own, and he too had an ag FFA background, and bought property. To his surprise, it had a lot of pecan trees on it, and had no background with pecan tree harvest. So our sweet neighbors next to us um, kind of took a stand under their wing and showed us how to harvest pecans. Mm -hmm. And we started off with a tractor and a pole shaker, um, where it just has a pole at the, end, the very front of a very old tractor, and it would shake by the motor and get up into the trees and knock stuff down. And they had old parachutes that they made into tarps. And so we'd lay these huge things out underneath the tree and capture all of our pecans that way. I was three when my dad brought that property and um, they still live there today and we go back um, and help on the farm. So I grew up doing that. I, I did land judging. My dad was my coach and knew almost instantly that I wanted to go into soil science after that um, or some kind of degree that I could use 
my soul's background. So I uh, went to OSU and I uh, got my bachelor's degree in plant soul science under Dr. Hattie and mm-hmm. then my master's with Dr. Carter and a minor in geology. Uh, fast forward a little bit there. I, we, I took a hiatus from ag. Um, it was either my husband's job or my job. Uh, they'd asked me to go to actually Missouri to be an extension agent, but the job was 10 hours from home. And then my husband got a job with EPA that was three hours from home. So uh, we still want to be able to help on the farm and harvest, especially during pecan harvest, because that's a huge, that's a very intense labor time. And then we fast forward and I got a job at, uh, we moved back to Oklahoma and got a job with the NRCS and uh, doing soil survey. So I was excited. I got to do my mapping and my soil profiling that I absolutely loved. And I did that for a year and a half. And in that time, I met Greg Scott, who is one of our uh, former state soil scientists for NRCS that was doing soil health field days um, with the commission and uh, the conservation commission. And my first soil health field day was in Colgate, Oklahoma, Colgate. I fell in love with it. I, I knew that was the route that I needed to go and pursue. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I did know that at least with my soil survey job, I could assist in these field days occasionally. So I went to a couple other ones, and then, and then my position that I'm at now came open, and it was the state soil health coordinator for Oklahoma Conservation Commission, and in partnership with the Nature Conservancy and uh, the NRCS. And it was a great marriage of all the skills that I had learned from the marketing perspective, the organization, the education, and and now my soul science. And so I, I just love it. So were you into the to soil health before that, or did this, this position kind of get you more involved with learning about some of the strategy, strategies that people have been implementing the last few years, or how did that come about? I was aware of conservation. I worked with NRCS for a long time, and I had I had admiration of trying to become an NRCS employee, and the timing just wasn't what was meant to be at that point. Um, I had interned in Iowa for the NRCS of conservationists. So when you say soil health, I understood conservation, and I understood protecting and land management, managing our land to help protect everything else. And so I was fully aware of, of that. The soil health world, as we want to see it now, was really introduced to me four years ago uh, with Greg Scott and, and some of the, the, you know, the five principles, the five favorite basic practices, which all made sense to me because we had also learned that in soil science at OSU, it just hadn't had a name before. So mm-hmm. the concepts I understood, and, and it just, like I said, it just it didn't have that specific name at that time. Mm-hmm. Why do you see so much value in improving soil health? So if we look, especially in Oklahoma and across the Great Plains, in Oklahoma in particular, we do not have the deep, deep, rich glacier till soils like they do up north. And, and it needs to be utilized across the whole plains. Erosion, water erosion, all of that 
directly leads into our streams and, and causes issues. We're trying to recover from the 30s, and a lot of Oklahoma lost soil not due to wind but to water. And so our topsoils are really depleted, and we're almost left with just our subsoils in a lot of areas. And, and we're with these practices in place, we are seeing organic matter returning. The soils that are, are poor because of their heavy clay content were able to get to function better. And it's crucial to reestablish our soil into the water cycle. With all the depleted and the compacted soils that we've damaged over the years, water immediately runs off instead of absorbing into the soil like it needs to. So we've removed our, you know, our carbon filter, um, just like you would out of a refrigerator to remove it. You're, you've got to have that filter to continue to have a functioning water cycle. And that's huge for nutrient loading. It's huge for nutrients for plant communities. Resiliency against climate changes. Um, and I, you know, climate impacts. And I, I like to look at it as weather impacts because you can have a huge rain or a huge drought, and that's always been variable throughout the years. So, so as the state soil health coordinator, um, I work with 84 districts across the state. Oklahoma has 84 conservation districts. So some of our we only have 77 counties. So some of our counties have more conservation districts than than others, but. Um, their goal as a conservation district is to seek out what their community environmental and, and conservation needs are, and a lot of that is revolved around soil health education. Out of the 84, I would, I believe, 81 of them have ranked soil health as number one on their education. You know, we had a link them um, of their priorities for their area, and it wasn't that in those other three, soil health wasn't at the top. They were still in the top two. It was just that the 81 of them felt like soil health needed to be number one. So what I do is work directly with the conservation districts, pull our resources from across the state, um, which could be me. It could be that I go out and do some education. But my biggest goal is to get um, somebody local, so we look for local producers to help that are actively farming with soil health practices and present those farmers or demonstration farms to that community. And on top of that, we also not only utilize the local producers or conservation districts, but we seek out our extension agent, um, the Noble Foundations in the southern part of our state, and we utilize them. Uh, so my goal is, as an educator and a director, is to find all of our resources that are available to us and utilize all of us to our best potential. What would be the main piece of advice that you'd give someone looking to start improving their soil health on their operation? First and foremost, soil test. I recommend getting a soil test so you got it, so you know where your where your baseline is. You've got to know where you are before you can see where you want to go, and and that is crucial. Um, any soil scientist will tell you that you've got to start with your soils test to know to know those nutrient values. Um, and 
we've come so far in soil testing. You know, we've got where we can even test for microbiology now and um, micronutrients, which that's been around for a while. But there's plenty of tests out there now that are giving us a whole picture instead of small, broad pictures. And and we can really hone in on, on which which needs to be our, our first and foremost next step after that. Maybe what this award means to you or... I am very honored and humbled by the award. Um, we have so many great uh, women that have been actively pursuing soul health, even for a lot longer than I have. But you look at Chris Nichols, who's presenting at the um, Soul Health U, and has presented across the nation. And Christine Jones, who has presented, who's out of Australia across the world. And, and many other women that have paved the path that I can hopefully continue to follow in those footsteps and make my own steps along the way. But I definitely could not have been successful and be even considered for this award if it hadn't been for all of our partners, all of those willing to try soul health, to be my mentors. Um, I have many, many people that I have collaborated with in Oklahoma that have helped our state and helped our nation become better aware of soul health. And I feel very fortunate to be receiving this award and feel like it definitely is due to a lot of their willingness to, to take me in under their wing. Thanks again, Lacey, for bringing us that interview with our 2021 Soil Health U Regenerative Woman of the Year, Amy Seeger. To watch the recordings of our 2021 virtual Soil Health U proceedings, visit www.soilhealthu.net and look for more soil health coverage in the pages of High Plains Journal. This is all being recorded. All right, I'm here with Jimmy Emmons, who is the Regional Coordinator for the Southern Plains Region FPAC. He's also a third-generation farmer rancher, and him and his family manage 2,000 acres of cropland and about 5,000 acres of rangeland in Dewey County, Oklahoma. So Jimmy has been working on soil health and converted the farm to no-till in 1995 and later went on to adopt further steps in regenerative agriculture, including crop rotations, cover crops, planned grazing management, and the use of specialized soil and plant tissue testing to monitor soil fertility. So um, thanks for being here with me, Jimmy, and we are looking forward to your presentation at Soil Health U this year. And um, yeah, thanks for being on. Well, thank you, Jessica. I'm glad to be on here. Glad to be a part of Soil Health U. Excellent. So your presentation, you are giving us the state of the state of soil health. That sounds that sounds pretty important. Give me a little bit more information about your presentation. You know, the that topic came along as uh, kind of modeling after what the State of the Union address would be. And the State of the Union was originally uh, designed by George Washington to give the people of America a status of where the Union was at and where the country was at. And so I'm going to bring a perspective of where we're at in soils, uh, where we've been, where we started, 
where we're currently at and where we can go with regenerative ag and, and try to explain in pretty good detail uh, what we've done to our soils over the years and, and how we degrade them, how we've caused uh, water quality issues uh, from here to the Gulf, uh, and try to explain uh, the problem and the solution. And, and we can be the solution and not the problem in agriculture. And so I'm looking forward to uh, being able to roll that out. This would be the first time that I've, I've done this particular talk. And just try to give a big summary of, of where we're at, uh, not only here in the middle part of the country, but the, the country as a whole uh, with soil and soil health. That's excellent, Jimmy. And and hearing this unique presentation for the first time, I think is going to be excellent. But you're no stranger to speaking to large groups about soil health. What right now, what, without giving away the whole presentation, I mean, what's your greatest hope that you're seeing? Because you've been watching this for a number of years. Has there been something over the last couple years, you know, even less than that, maybe even just the last year where, where you've thought to yourself, man, now if we could accomplish that, I, I have some great hope. Well, my 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 biggest goal and hope uh, coming out of this topic and out of this talk will be an eye-opener to the American producer and consumer that that where we're at and what we can do uh, with the tools that we have available. We're in a, a extreme weather pattern, and they're calling it whip flash weather right now, whether we can go from a flash flood to a flash drought. Uh, we're seeing huge swings in the weather, uh, long periods of drought, excessive moisture following that with flooding, uh, wildfires in between. So, you know, what can we do as a nation and as producers and consumers to to help us get out of that and and help improve things? And, uh, you know, that would be my, my goal is to open everybody's eyes a little bit more and to understand the, the soil properties and how that we can fix this problem and be part of the solution instead of being the problem. Uh, we, we have lots and lots of erosion still today in the United States. And that's just kind of unacceptable. I mean, once soil is gone, it you can't replace it. And so, you know, how do we regenerate it, get it back to where we were in the beginning so that we can be more profitable, less dependent on inputs? I, I think that would be... Uh, some pretty good goals if we could accomplish that. That is absolutely beautiful, Jimmy. And thank you for taking the time to also focus on not just the American producer in this talk, but the the American consumer. Because more and more, especially with what we've gone through with COVID and local supply chains, I do think that, that our consumer is, is hungry for information. And um, by us being able to manage the message from the soil level and help the consumer understand what we're doing out here, man, that sounds like a win-win for all of us. Well, I hope I get it pulled off. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I think you will. 
Mark your calendars for the virtual Alfalfa U webinar series February 16th and 18th and March 4th and 11th. We'll bring you expert speakers from around the nation to help you boost your bottom line on your alfalfa farm. This series is free and registration and a full schedule can be found online at hpj.com slash alfalfa u. That's hpj.com slash alfalfa u. We're bringing the U to you. Your grain market prices from Dawn City's Pride Egg Resources. On January 19th, corn was up at $5.54. Wheat was up at $6.14. Milo was up at $6.61. And soybeans were up at $13.06. Be sure to watch for our corn marketing and finance issue of High Plains Journal in your mailboxes February 1st with a story from our friend and contributor, Amy Bickle. And you can always look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. You can still catch all of our podcast episodes for free at hpj.com podcasts. And be sure to subscribe for free over Apple Podcasts, Google Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And even though we're on a hiatus, we'll still be on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk. So be sure to like and follow us there for news and commentary throughout the week. From all of us here at the HPJ Talk studios, from Kayleen and myself and our sound engineer, Peyton James, our editor, Dave Bergmeier, and so many more, we want to thank each of you for riding with us here on HPJ Talk each week. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We will see you all on the trail. This has been a production of High Plains Journal. All rights reserved. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. Headlights on both ends of my day. Life is for me Ride with us, HPJ Ride with us, 